This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. All right, we have uh, basketball, sort of, because it's over. State's done. Duke's done. I don't know what Brian Geisinger is going to do with his time now. Pack Pride, Devil's Den, let's pick up the pieces. Brian Geisinger joins us at Geis underscore bird. Let's start with the Wolfpack, Brian. Uh, what went wrong there? Well, you know, <laughs> I thought they played pretty – I thought I thought State played pretty well over the weekend, actually. Um, yeah. You know, all things considered, I didn't like that matchup with Creighton. I thought it was a pretty tough um, – I just saw a lot of – I saw that going – bad for state more than I did saw it, you know, going well, just the way things are sort of lined up on paper. Uh-huh. But, um, man, Terquavion Smith was awesome. Yep. He was, he was so good in that game. I'm so happy for him to have that moment. Uh, 30, I think 32 points. Yeah. Um, I know it wasn't like even his most efficient performance of the season, but given his struggles down the the back third of the of the, of the calendar of the season, um, his mentality was so good in that game, going right at Colt Brenner um, in the drop coverage, just getting downhill, finishing at the rim. I thought his patience on, with the exception of maybe a couple of plays, was really good, and it was matched with his aggression. Um, and the dunk he had over Colt Brenner is like maybe <laughs> the signature play of that guy's career at state. Um, which given that he scored over a thousand points in two seasons um, to pick one of them out, but that kind of half court dunk was, uh, was really, really impressive. And just unfortunately, like I thought Jarkel Joyner, who's been incredible this season, obviously, yep. and they're nowhere, they're not here without him to be clear. Um, you know, I just thought he, it seemed like he was settling a little bit against the drop and, and, and really kind of like leaning on the pull-up jumper a little bit too much and in that that along with DJ Burns uh, being in foul trouble yeah. and not being able to get the post up game going, I mean they were just when they don't have Burns in the post up game, they're so dependent on Joiner and Smith in the pick and roll. And when one of those guys doesn't have it going, like Joiner uh, didn't back on Friday, then it, it just gets really really tough. Um, but I thought State guarded well. They probably got a little bit of, of shooting luck with Creighton missing so many shots the first you know ninety five percent of the game. But for me, what I'll remember from that game is um, is what is is how you know Turquavion performed and just look. State got it. It was a tough matchup, and that Creighton team. I, that's not a normal six seed team, to be clear. I right. mean, there's there's probably four or five NBA players on that roster. They're top twenty five um, in offense and defense, and they're making shots right now, or at least they did. Um, in yesterday's game against Baylor, so they look they look formidable at the moment. But uh, with, I, for State, I'll remember Tequavion's performance. I saw a number of people pick Creighton to go to the Final Four, so obviously they were a good team, yeah. and they're probably they were playing at a top ten level. And once they got healthy, it you know much like Duke was, whatever their record was when they were, you know they had their starting lineup intact when they had all their uh, you know people intact. You know that that's that's cool. Um, they, they were they were really good then, but so was Creighton. When Creighton was fully mm-hmm. operational, uh, they were a top ten team and playing at a very high level. So yeah, it was. Uh, I thought. Look, I think defense is kind of cumulative. So even when 
on possessions when it's not there. If you play good defense, it does tend to rush your opponent. So mm-hmm. I give a, a lot of times I'll give credit for if okay the defense wasn't there this possession, but it was it has been there the the last three possessions. So I think especially with when it comes to jump shooting, I just think that it's uh, it kind of has a lasting impact. Uh, yeah, it was I was surprised that they were as inefficient offensively. I thought Tequavian Smith was had his one more one of his more efficient games offensively, but to get nothing really out of Joiner that that way, mm-hmm. and not to get enough help from the other places that you normally would get help from, Morcel, Clark, things like that, and Burns foul trouble, and also Dewana's foul trouble, which didn't help. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a that's that a great it. point. That like the 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 Ernest Ross at five minutes. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think state could have maybe experimented more at times with this season, but like that, that obviously like, you know, NCAA tournament against, you know, an all big East center, seven foot one guys, you know, obviously that was not experimentation. That was them, you know, sort of in desperation. And, um, I think it's, it, you know, you can't just like copy and paste a player into the lineup. And I think it's, you know, even if Dusan Mohorcic is available this season, like, you know, DJ Burns probably doesn't have the year that he does. But, like, that is certainly one of those games where Mohorcic, with his experience, his size, his physicality, would have been helpful. And that's not the first NC State loss that I've, like, thought that with right. uh, this season. Um, but, yeah, you can see they immediately went to the high-low against Ross. Kalkbrenner scored or got fouled. And then State had to start loading up on the backside. Crate started skipping it over the top. And all of a sudden, Trey Alexander is getting to attack a closeout, not try to work pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I thought that was a place where Creighton was able to build a little bit of you know uh, flow on offense in the second half. Yeah, and Greg McDermott's a really good coach, and you knew he'd yes. be able to do stuff like that. All right, real 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 quick before we get to Duke, uh, what is State's roster likely to look at in terms of existing players next year? Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of these guys can come back. I mean, Jarkel Joyner, you know, the eligibility is that's it. You know, right. That's his last college game. And um, I think Mahorchic, barring a medical register, I believe his eligibility is exhausted. I so but again, because they said they're gonna try to get it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they they should. He should do it. Um, but everyone else in theory, other than I mean, even like I imagine Turquavion Smith is going to enter the draft again and keep his name in this year. But right. in theory, I guess he could be back. I just don't expect him to, you know, I do think guys like uh, someone like Jack Clark, I think he came with the plan of being playing for two years here. Um, DJ Burns is someone that makes a lot of sense to come back and be like the face of the program, be one of the faces of college basketball, make a bunch of uh, money via NIL. Um, oh, he, but, you he'll know, do well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's that compared with him, you know, trying to go the G League route or trying to play abroad. I mean, you know, he's a talented guy beyond basketball. So it's like, but my guess is it it would make a lot of sense financially for him to want to want to come back more sell. He's played four years of college basketball, like maybe he thinks it's time to move on. But um, you know, he still has an extra year of, of eligibility uh, via the, the NCAA's COVID rules. So right. If Morcel wanted to play an extra year, my guess is he would want to stay at, at state. Sure. Um, you know, as in lieu of going to his third school. Um, but I suppose there's a program that could maybe offer him a, a bigger offensive role other than catch and shoot that maybe he'd be in line for. And the only other thing I would say is like, 
Just right now, the front court looks like it could be a little crowded next year. Like if Mohorcic is back, if Burns is back, you've still got guys like Gant and Ross and Dewana that all have eligibility. What's going to happen with Isaiah Miranda? So just like it does kind of feel like there's going to have to be some movement some way, you know, somewhere in there. Right. Um, because it's just the numbers game is it gets tough quickly. All right, so we're almost out of time. <laughs> we spent all oh. that time on. That's fine. We spent all that time on state. We got like two minutes or so left. Um, <laughs> was it Duke just got out physicaled by Tennessee, and understanding also that Mark Mitchell was not there to provide great free safety help defensively. Yeah, they really could have used him um, in this game, obviously. I think, as you and I have discussed, Gold, like Mitchell's really come online as a guy that can be impactful as a as a help defender. And with it, given how they want to use lively guarding ball screens, they need someone on the backside to help put out fires. And Mitchell's really good at that at, a, at an early age. But I just couldn't believe Tennessee's physicality defensively. Like, I mean, they really, it really was uh, – you know, the, the Pete Carroll style of like, not Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, the style of like, they can't call every foul. Right. I, I just, the amount of physicality on the perimeter was like kind of astonishing. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a little unfortunate that like that style is like a viable, like just, just foul every possession. Um, and I think Duke's foul trouble also got them in trouble. Like yeah. I do think the second foul that Lively picked up was a ridiculous call where, he engages in a handoff and, you know, Roach is getting uh, mugged by Viscovi and then they call lively for the foul. So I, I don't know. It was not like a cleanly officiated game, but Tennessee's defense is incredible. Even without the, like the sort of like overtly physical nature to it, they're scheme versatile. They show great health. Right. They've got length and just very impressive. That's the number one defense in the country. And uh, they, they flex their muscles uh, against Duke over yeah, the weekend. It's a good strategy. Um, Cause Duke has used it. And yeah. Georgetown used to play that way all the time. To Clemson does with, it absolutely under Brunel. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if if they if they call it, all right, we can't do this. But if yeah. they don't, we keep doing it until they start calling it. And I got no problem with the strategy. You just wish that all games were officiated the same way, because we have seen plenty of games where yeah. Tennessee would have either had to back off or they would have all fouled out and had nobody left to play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, we, we just don't it, see enough of it. Yeah. Quick tip of the cap to, you know, I mean, Tyrese Proctor played awesome. Yep. The, the, the shot making, the playmaking from him will look pretty special at times. He did a lot of NBA stuff in that game. I'll be curious to see if, you know, if Proctor is back in Durham for a second season. <laughs> I, I think that was maybe the, the plan at one point this season. I don't know if that's changed the final dozen games of the year, but right. Um, Proctor, that was that was really like special uh, basketball from him in terms of creating for others and making his own shots. And Filipowski just being a bulldozer um, and and just you know playing into contact as he always does. Right. Uh, he was pretty awesome in that game too. Trying to figure out who's going to be back for Duke is has to be a fool's a fool's errand. Yeah, I good mean, luck. Whitehead and Lively are almost absolutely gone. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Roach, I don't know where he's going other than to the portal if he wants to leave, if if he's looking behind him and he sees the five-star guards coming in. Uh, but Ro- Roach will be – there'll be a role for Jeremy Roach on this team and it'll be a big one uh, yeah. regardless of, of, of who's here. Uh, yeah. But Proctor and Mitchell and Filipowski is not a slam dunk next level, uh, you know, high draft pick because – 
he does lack explosiveness and athleticism at this point. Uh, and he does, he's not a refined shooter either. So uh, I talked to a scout at the ACC tournament uh, who basically said that none of the guys except for Whitehead were high draft picks. That Whitehead probably because we know what we've seen already. But all the yeah. other guys were, you know, back half of the first round at best, more than likely second rounder, including Lively, he said. That- yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that evaluation. I mean, I do think, you know, Lively plays in theory this like this skill set at center that's supposed to be fungible, right? Like oh, you can find a rim run, rim protector guy for, um, you know, you shouldn't use a lottery pick on those guys. And I tend to agree with that. But like, I think Derek Lively is going to, play in the NBA and be a starter for a long, long time because of the defense. Yeah. So even if he, even if you don't grade that guy out as anything beyond like the 19th pick or whatever, he still has like pretty, pretty serious value. Rudy Gobert uh, to the next level. Yeah. Or, could... or, or Nick Claxton yeah. uh, with, with the Brooklyn Nets, like, like those, or, you know, uh, there's, there are other sort of like facsimiles, Tyson Chandler, like these kinds of guys like that offer this discrete set of skills. Um, at that possession, again, Lively has shown like truly special traits on the defensive side of the floor. Brian Geisinger, Devil's Den, packs, Pack Pride, everywhere. Uh, appreciate your time, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival Oh, oh look at that. Set. You see it right here. I've got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call. 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. The Panthers in free agency have been great, but all of their moves, all of their moves in the last week of free agency are all done knowing that they had to make the one move first, and that was the trade of number nine to get number one from the Chicago Bears. Frank Reich talked to the media today, and this is partially about his direct boss, the general manager, Scott Fitterer, but also the owner, David Tepper, in essentially being aggressive and pushing for the move. His analysis of those options I thought was spot on and kind of helped push us to the right decision um, to get up to number one and and to make that decision and to be in control. So um, is there more pressure with that? I, I guess so, but I don't feel I don't feel it like that. I just feel like we're just looking I feel more freedom. I feel more freedom when we can get we can actually get the guy that we want. We can take the time. We don't we're in the driver's seat. So I feel that more than I feel pressure. First of all, he also made some reference to say that uh, he had a high grade on Russell Wilson the year Russell Russell Wilson came out of the draft. It was a question about sh- uh, small quarterbacks. Uh, so he said, don't read anything into it. Um, I have a hard time believing that they traded from nine to one without in their mind being pretty sure who that number one was going to be. But. Whoever that is, 
if you don't draft one, you might not get him. Because I'm sure there's, I'll bet you that depending on the team, I don't know if anybody's got Will Levis at number one, but depending on the team going into the draft, you could make an argument for Young or Stroud or Richardson. I don't think you can make the the argument that Will Levis is the best quarterback prospect of the group, but I think you can make an argument for the other three. And whether it's Bryce Young, who I think is the best passer in the group, C.J. Stroud, who and we talked about it last week, and this is what I heard over the weekend, he's the safest pick. What does that mean? <laughs> what is uh, good, what does the safest pick mean to anybody? I don't know. I mean, is he the best passer? Well, maybe not the best passer. He's big. Is he the... I, I don't even understand that. So is he just a game manager? Is he Mac Jones? I, I I mean, I really don't know. But that's the way it's been phrased. And he's the safest pick. And then you've got Anthony Richardson, who has the most game-changing athletic ability of the four, but is completely raw as a quarterback. And if you're drafting him one overall, he can't play in we in year one. Right, it's not like when Cam Newton came out of Florida, uh, came out of Auburn. Cam was already a champion. He had just taken Auburn, put Auburn on his back. Notice how many pros didn't come out of Auburn. He put Auburn on his back and won a national championship because he was that guy. Anthony Richardson isn't that guy, but. He's got the most athletic ability of anybody in this class at quarterback, and he has shown flashes of great. He's going to need a year to kind of figure out the NFL game. So if they draft him number one, they can't really put him on the field. Young could play. Stroud could play. Richardson probably can't, but that doesn't mean that Richardson can't be that guy but I have a hard time believing that they would trade from 9 to 1 and not kind of have a pretty good idea over who that of who that guy is going to be. Are you ready for the big game? At the Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of the Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com.